0: Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. Manufacturers and the engineers that work for them can run into obstacles nearly every day. Many of them are easy and quick fixes, but in some cases, organizations need an outside perspective to overcome some obstacles or to further explore new design ideas. That's where an organization like the Industrial Solutions Lab at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte can be advantageous. The UNCC Industrial Solutions Lab is one of the nine partners that make up the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, or NCMEP. The Industrial Solutions Lab is an extension of the UNCC Lee College of Engineering, which is designed to provide low-cost, innovative solutions for North Carolina industries through advanced facilities, technical expertise, senior and graduate student educational projects, research and development, and consulting with faculty. Today we're clocking in with an NCMEP voice of North Carolina Manufacturing, Jim Hartman is the director of the UNCC Industrial Solutions Lab. Jim has been with UNCC since 2017 and has more than 20 years of in technical business across multiple industries. Jim has a bachelor's degree in engineering from Wayne State University and an MBA from the University of Central Florida. So, Jim, we welcome you and thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, good. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great. We'll talk mostly about the lab today, but it's always interesting to hear our professionals get to where they are. Did you always work in manufacturing or engineering design?
1: No, I started out in engineering in design engineering, and then I uh, went into manufacturing after that. So the uh, kind of the progression was as I was designing products, and then as when these products transitioned into the manufacturing phase, I went with it and then worked in manufacturing for a while. And then I worked in uh, program management and then ultimately business development. Uh, So I kind of went through in my career several different functions, but manufacturing and all of the companies that I worked in, we manufactured products. So manufacturing was always a strong component of what I did in my industry career.
0: Great. So talk a bit about your roles and responsibilities at the UNC Industrial Solution Lab.
1: So what I do is I'm a bridge between the College of Engineering and industry partners. So a lot of times there's people in the industry that for one reason or another are interested in cooperating with the College of Engineering in some way. And they don't know how to do that. They don't know who do they talk to. When you think about it, the College of Engineering is a big place. There's a lot of people, a lot of departments. We have certain specialties within our departments. And somebody on the outside doesn't really know who the people are or what our expertises are or how they access those. So for anybody who's interested in working with the College of Engineering uh, in some way, I'm kind of the first point of contact for them to talk to them about what their needs are, what they're trying to do, and then I try to connect them to the best place that uh, can work with them within the College of Engineering. Probably the biggest part of my industry interaction, though, is through our senior design program, because we have a very large senior design program in a typical a semester, will have 100 projects, and 70 of those projects are supported by an industry supporter. So each semester, we have you know 70 project interactions with members of our industrial community, and I set all those up. So I work with the, the companies to develop the projects that we give to the students to work on for their engineering senior design two-semester projects. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I do.
0: Yeah. So, how do companies learn about the opportunities there? Do you just kind of go out and engage? Do you have? A, and how how long has the college been doing this? Was, was this in place before you came over? It was.
1: Uh, it's been expanded since I came in. I came in four years ago to take on this role. And the program started about 12 years ago and it started small with you know, we're responding to an ABET requirement that an ABET requirement requires that all of our your know, engineering seniors do a capstone project as part of their coursework. But how you interpret that is kind of university by university. And originally When this ABET requirement started, what the most college of engineering did was to have department projects where the department professors would just make up projects for the students to work on. And then we started to think that we really pride ourselves in developing practical engineers and we thought it would be better if they were working on real-world problems rather than department problems. So, you know, we started to gradually reach out to some of our industry contacts and, and develop projects. So it started off slow and, you know, it was just a few projects this semester and then that grew and grew. And, you know, now we're up to a hundred projects a semester and uh, 70, you know, being supported by industry and 30 of them are either department or collegiate competition projects.
0: So what kinds of things uh, do you do with these companies? Is it, is it making any pieces of equipment or is it other types of things? What are the nature of some of the projects?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a question people have when I first talk to them about uh, senior design or participating in the senior design project. They kind of say, "You know, well, what can they do? Our program, besides being large, one of the things that makes it unique is that it's interdisciplinary. So most engineering colleges in their senior design program are department by department. So they'll have a mechanical engineering project that only has mechanical engineers on it or only electrical engineers what we do is we'll put whatever engineering disciplines are needed to make the project successful. So in doing that, it opens up, you know, what kinds of projects we do to be almost anything. So what I tell people is that what makes a good senior design project is something that's on your back burner. Usually wherever an engineering company has engineers working in manufacturing or design or whatever it is, they have a long list of things to do, and they're only working on the top four or five priorities. So anything that's on the back burner that you weren't going to be working on anyways is fair game for our students to work on, as long as it's within the capabilities of what an undergraduate engineer
0: could do. So uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from the companies you work with? I mean, do you get a lot of repeat customers?
1: We do. I mean, that's our goal. As uh, I always tell the, our industry supporters, we have a kickoff event where we bring all the companies together and we bring all the students together and the faculty mentors and have a kickoff meeting to start the each semester. And I, I tell the industry supporters that I want this to be like Disney World for you. I, I want you to have a great experience, fun working with the students. I want you to get something accomplished, some valuable work product that's useful to you, and I want you to come back. So we survey every semester, we survey the industry supporters about what their experience is, and we keep track of those results. And we ask them different questions about, you know, was the program a good experience for you and, you know, different things like that. And so the positive responses we get are generally running at about 94%, you know, from the people that we, from our, our people that participate in the program. So we think that's a high level of satisfaction for the people that deal with us.
0: So, is there anything that we may have seen out here in particular that come out of your one of your labs that turned into something great? Uh, you know, you know what, what types of projects have you, can you highlight? Maybe? Uh,
1: well, we just uh, had our uh, we just finished last semester and we had our senior design expo. So, and and actually, you can go to our website, which is isl.uncc.edu, and because we couldn't do an in person expo, we did a virtual expo. And we had each student, both of the semester one and semester two students, do videos to present what their projects were all about. So you can see all of the projects at our website through the Virtual Expo website. But some of the ones that were interesting is we received a grant from the Bosch Community Fund. And Bosch is one of our industry supporters. And wherever Bosch does business, they take a portion of their profits and give it back into the community. And so they gave us a grant to develop a exhibit for the Discovery Place Museum. So this museum exhibit that the students built is a kiosk that a, a, a child will walk up to and it's in the Natural History Museum. So they have things that are like a raccoon pelts or rocks or different items of natural history that are on display for the students to handle. And when the, the attendee takes one of those items, they walk up to this kiosk and they scan it and it has an embedded RFID tag in it. And when they scan it, they have a, there's a display screen. It's a 40 inch TV that was built into the kiosk and it will pull up a picture of that object and then it will give the student information about it, where it came from, you know, where it's indigenous, is it endangered? And it can be done in either English or Spanish. So the the still students built that exhibit for the museum and we expect that it'll be on exhibit this semester. Uh, We've done that before for them and it's really rewarding to see when you go back, you know, five years from now and you still see that exhibit being enjoyed by children at the museum. So that's, so that's one that I think was a, a good example, and I have many more. Of, yes, that's right. uh, an example. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty
0: <laughs> exciting. So, how, how many how many students work on a project like that? I mean, is that do you just organize that as you go along? Is it always a group, or
1: do you- uh, it's always a group? Because one of the things we want the students to learn during the process is how to work in a team. Because, as you know, in industry, one of the most important things is not only your technical skills, but your ability to work in a team. So that's one account outcome that we want for the students. So typically it's five students. Uh, it can vary, you know, depending on, you know, we have bigger and smaller teams depending on what the scope is that we're doing with the industry partner, but five is typically the number.
0: So I guess unless any of us has kind of been hidden away for the last 10 or 12 months or so we realized that we're in a pandemic here and that and that's kind of changed things for pretty much everybody or everybody. Now, how has the pandemic affected how you're able to kind of do these projects and in your program?
1: Um, it probably affected us the most last spring because we were halfway through the semester and we were starting to get to the point where the students were you know starting to make a lot of progress with their physical builds of their products. And then the pandemic came, and because it was so sudden, you know, we just weren't ready uh, for how to plan for that type of environment. And in the state of North Carolina, they had a travel band where you, know, you, you couldn't travel. So, you know, our students are interacting with our, you know, our industry partners, and part of it is going to that partner and gathering data, or maybe after they've done some some of their build, they're actually testing it on site and they couldn't do that. And so we had to pivot very quickly to how we we're going to finish these projects and how are we going to work with our industry partners to deal with that. So some of the teams did were able to finish. Some of them were able to partly finish. And for the partly finished ones, we went to our industry partners and said, since we weren't able to finish, if you'd like to you know, do the project over again, or as a phase two, where we can add capability so that the new students have a design challenge as well as the old students, but we can add some scope to the project. And then the second team can come along and design that new scope and then finish the whole project for the the two teams that were involved. So several of our partners uh, chose that route. Then moving into the fall, since we knew it was all coming you know we had time to really come up with plans and strategies for how to do this so we developed a um, a covid plan for how our students could access our build laboratories that we have on campus to where they put things together so we had you know ppe and social distancing but It was a way that we were able to get the university to approve the students being on site in a safe way so that they could still do their builds. So the fall semester went pretty good. And most of our industry supporters by that time had developed procedures to allow students to come on site under, again, their their COVID protocols so that they could get on site. So we didn't have as much face-to-face activity, but you know, everything was Zoom, all of our design reviews and interactions were Zoom, but we were able to get enough time in the labs and industry supporter sites to make it workable.
0: Yeah, great. Well, so one of the things that, you know, was of interest to NCMEP, of course, is, you know, how we can bring in more of our smaller manufacturers in the programs like yours. And that's kind of why we brought you into the partnership. I mean, are you discovering any smaller companies who have interest in, this type of project, are we able to do You see a way of doing that?
1: Yeah, and that was what interested me in this is that if you prior to my involvement in NCMEP, if you looked at who participated in our program, it was usually very, very large companies. People like Siemens and Duke Energy and Caterpillar and, and people like that which is great. And we really appreciate those companies. And a lot of those companies will hire our students out of the program based on their experience in the program. I regretted that we were only showing our students one type of potential employer for them, which was large companies. And there's a lot of jobs in manufacturing and engineering through small and medium-sized companies, but those companies typically... You know, couldn't afford to participate in our program. And so, with the MEP subsidizing part of the Industrial Solutions Laboratory, I can now reach out to smaller companies and also, you know, minority owned companies and uh, woman owned companies. So I'm trying to expand with the MEP participation, companies that wouldn't otherwise be able to do that. And I was successful in the fall. It takes time to kind of get the word out, but we were able to bring a couple of people into the fall that were minority-owned businesses, which is good for us to be able to expose our students to you know, employers who just otherwise wouldn't be participating in our program.
0: So... How is the advancement of technology kind of affecting kind of what, what kind of infrastructure you might use for these projects and other different ways of solving things? I know there's a lot going on out here with, as things change. Do you see your students using that as, as things develop? Yeah,
1: I think what uh, sometimes surprises people who look at the projects they we do and they're they're kind of surprised by how technical they are and how much they can do as students. And if you think about, I think what's changing a lot in um, recent times is the amount of computing power you can get for low cost and the amount of sensors that you can get for low cost. So our students typically have a $3,000 material budget for their projects and nowadays, You can get a lot of um, microcomputer capability and sensor capability, you know, for not a lot of money. And so it enables us to do a lot of things with uh, sensors and Internet of Things and, you know, computing power on board with their devices to be able to do some pretty surprising things.
0: Yeah. So looking ahead, I know we're seeing just kind of mixed The economic situations with the manufacturers we work with, and I'm sure you are probably seeing the same thing because, you know, just depending on what industry they're in, it's just how busy they've been able to continue to be uh, During the pandemic. Uh, I mean, are you seeing any signs that, you know, people are going to continue to maintain their interest in these programs right now during the pandemic or are people holding back, you think, or what kind of outlook are you seeing for your program. Yeah, that's a good point uh, for the, so when
1: the pandemic started in March, that was the time that I'm starting to fill slots for fall of 2020, and then all of fall 2020, I'm filling slots for spring of 2021. And it severely impacted the, the level of interest in the program, not that people weren't interested. There's a lot of people who would like to do it, but I was getting a lot of feedback that people said, We'd like to participate, but we just don't know what our world's going to look like with COVID. So we can't commit to a project because our organization might change, our people might change. And when they commit to a project, it's a two semester commitment. So if you start a project in the fall of 2020, that ends in May of 2021. And so with the COVID situation, people just didn't have enough certainty in their organization and their funding. Uh, to be able to commit to projects. So they were probably the toughest two semesters we've had at getting industry partners to be able to participate in the program.
0: Yeah, and I guess on the other piece of it, I know we're here at NC State, you know, we're still uncertainties about your student base, you know, your student yeah. population, you know, many students are deciding to not come back or or take some time off and all of that. You seeing that too? or Absolutely. That's been one of the things that's
1: Probably the most different about this is that we've had some students tell us that they're just gonna take a hiatus because they they really don't like the online learning. You know, they they really feel like to get a, a full engineering education, they need to be in person. And so rather than do the online compromise, you know, they're just saying, I'm gonna take a semester off and I'll come back, you know, when we can get back to normal. And so it makes it difficult for us to know how many students are we gonna have for this semester and how many projects do we need to get for those students. And right now we're, we're staffing the projects for the spring semester, but there's still a certain amount of uncertainty as to how many students we're actually gonna have.
0: Yeah, so clearly, you know, the work that you do there at the lab is interesting and people are excited about it and, you know, we're just hopeful that uh, the promise of the vaccine and, and the things that, that are being worked on now that can get us all back to where we need to be. And I guess, you know, you guys are continuing to work on strategies and based on current data and, and what you expect to see in the future to continue to move your program forward, yes?
1: Yeah, I think that this semester, the spring 2020 semester, is going to be pretty much like the fall 2020 was. And we're pretty happy with all the mitigation strategies we put in place. And we feel like we were still able to give our students a, a quality educational experience and our industry partners a good experience for the program and a good outcome. So we think that we'll be able to do that in a spring, but then. We're hoping that fall of 2021, things get back to normal. And I'm hoping that as we start to go through the spring semester and I start to solicit projects for the fall that people will have enough clarity about the future to be able to commit to projects in the fall.
0: All right. Well, yes, we're, we're pleased and we're excited again to have you on board with NCMEP. And again, we're looking forward to, you know, getting more companies involved in your program. And we're going to do our best to push push people toward that program as well, because it is an exciting program. Uh, and so, again, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us about the program.
1: Well, that's uh, my pleasure to do so. And again, I, we, we hope that through the NCMEP program, we'll get more publicity for the opportunity that we have. And we hope that we'll be able to reach out to more small and medium-sized manufacturers uh, who otherwise might have not known about a program or not been able to participate.
0: All right, Jim Hartman, the director of the UNCC Industrial Solutions Lab. Again, thanks again for coming on and we look forward to talking with you soon.
1: My pleasure, Phil.
0: Thank you for joining today's Clocking In voices of nc manufacturing this podcast is brought to you by nc state's college of engineering the north carolina manufacturing extension partnership and industry expansion solutions if you'd like to learn more about the solutions ncmep offers go to www.ncmep.org want to listen to previous clocking in podcasts go to ncmep.org slash